Evening people, we're back once again for episode five of Into the Lions Den, the Team England 40k podcast. Um, Tony, captain of Team England, back once again, joined by Chris, vice captain of Team England. Hello, pleasure. And we've brought back uh, a recent guest, Will. Hi, nice to be here. And we've also invited another Team England applicant, Dom, along for the evening. Evening, Dom. Hey, yeah. And we are going to talk about all things Leicester GT, which is the uh, latest big super major that took place in the UK. Um, and I didn't attend, so I'm going to pass over to the guys to lead you through what was a really exciting event, lots of interesting things about factions um, and the state of 40k at the moment. I'm going to pass that straight over to, well, we might as well start with Dom. Dom, tell us a bit about yourself. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I'm Dom Maidlow. I'm a competitive 40k player, um, co-team captain of Mind Goblins, which is a relatively new uh, 40k team and uh yeah we're trying to keep up with the rest of the savages out there um so we're doing we're doing quite well um i have been playing csm this 10th edition um and it's not because i was meta chasing i was i was there at the start um, that's what they all say Dom. That's what they all he say. was there at the heresy <laughs> he saw the golden gates fall yeah that... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, they're they're super strong at the moment and I like I like just playing my flavour of it because uh I just like to try and find like interesting builds that, you know, other people can kind of work off as well. And they kinda of, like this one kinda of worked and yeah, yeah. Inside to excited to be on the on this um podcast. And that brings us across to Will back after the recent uh trials and tribulations of the Team England Battle of Britain event. How did you do in that single one day, Will? I never, never caught with you about that. Single one day, I went um, two one. I did. I I ate a lot in that single one day. Oh, oh the embarrassment! Dear, the embarrassment. I know, exactly. <laughs> I just found you know sisters are. If you're playing something like CSM and you switch to sisters, it's um it is a learning curve because suddenly you're dealing with things that really just can't ever take a punch. And someone just came and just stat checked me with an army, and I could not. I could not meet that stat check. So, so what you're telling us is you're going to tell us about your really successful run with sisters at Leicester GT, right? Exactly that, yeah. Yeah, cracking. <laughs> and then, uh, Chris, later. how are you, Chris? Yeah, I'm doing well. I had a nice, nice, nice time at the event. You evacuated the sleeping dog from under your podcasting desk. Yeah, she's not here tonight, but she might make an appearance later. Well, Special it's, it's guests. Never, well, not too far off bedtime, so she might just pop in, you never know. Well, guys, we might as well leap into... What did you guys think of the Leicester GT, another latest in the series from the UKTC tournament team? Um, I'll jump in. Uh, I thought Leicester was lovely. In fact, Zach himself uh, says that Leicester is his favourite GT. So it's kind of like the um, the Mona Lisa. You know, we all have to like Leicester because Zach says that it's his favourite. So <laughs> in that regard, but I think I can see why. I think it's a yeah, it's, it's a nice venue. It's a good break from the time of year. You know, it's getting cold and stuff. It's kind of the perfect time to actually spend time indoors and Leicester's in the Midlands so it's not so far for everyone although it is still a four-hour drive for me because nowhere's close to Newcastle it's a move it's too far um <laughs> I do agree with that uh, on those will um it's a really nice venue I think the biggest difference for me there is that like every table is separated it's not just like a big row of tables so oh yeah if you end up playing like Hammer and Anvil or whatever, you're not just like just screwed because you're constantly having to go around the other side of the board and walk for five minutes to get to uh, to move your models. It's just like it's just so nice. And the only time I've experienced this was at WTC last year. It's just like 
you turn up, it's like it's a completely different game when you just walk around one board and you can see the entire board, no problem. It just makes things a lot easier. Um, it makes so, a difference, doesn't it? Yeah, it's just like, and you just don't you don't realize how much of a difference it makes until you actually play on a board like that. And you're like, oh, this is, this is just like night and day. Um, so hopefully, all events like that can sort of be that sort of style. But obviously, you understand it costs a bit more to hire venues of that size and etc. But but yeah, I really enjoyed it. I think that might, yeah, it might partly be because it's also a venue that can accommodate 400 people and we only got 200. So that's the, the yes. luxury of an exclusive club, yeah. That is. The only, the only problem I have with that venue is the parking situation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's, especially for me. So I turned, so uh, I had to message Zach um, about 45 minutes an hour before the event started um, that I was stuck on the M6 because there'd been a crash and I was just like, I don't even know if I'm going to make it because I hadn't moved for about half an hour. Um, and I was like, I'm not going to make my first round. This is really annoying. So I like, messaged him saying, like, look, Zach, can you just put a chess clock on me, put it on my time, and when I turn up, I turn up. Um, unfortunately, he didn't respond until quite late on, but um, luckily I got moving quite quickly after then, um, but didn't turn up to the car park until about five minutes before the uh, event started, and then you have a 15-minute walk from the car park. It's about half a mile away um, to get in there, so it's like, I was just, just sprinting, uh, trying to get to the venue uh, to make sure I had enough time to play. Uh, ended up not having a lot of time. So after I think after my turn one, I only had about 35, 40 minutes left. So Jeez. so yeah, but it was good though. Nice venue. Yeah. Other than that, the only the only complaint I have about that venue is uh, Harkins a little far away. I, I actually think it's my favourite venue out of the ones he's he's done because I've always had a good time in Leicester. Um, like all the events, then I've always done well. But the the actual like we were saying before, like the, the actual space around the tables makes such a difference as well. And I was I was pretty Ill, Ill, Ill on that weekend and I was struggling and be, being able to just go around the tables and not having to like oh, walk around the whole aisle just to yeah. just <laughs> go and get line of sight. It just made it just the, the, those little changes. Like it's just great for just like just just making life easier for both players. Um, yeah, I, th- I thought it was a great venue, great event. And there was there was a lot of good players there. There was, wasn't there? So let's go on to our next point then. What do you guys think of the standard of competition at this event? Was it better than a normal event? Was it sort of slightly easier? What, what was your it was on that? It was super high. Like I, I remember looking at the roster and I I was just like I was going down being like, Oh, shark, 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 shark. And I was just like, There's so many people I know that are going, but there's but they're just so high calibre as well and i know like there's 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 some teams that took like 15 players like we like our mind goblins team had i think it was like 10 players go and then you, you had like all the loads of the war masters people go like dice down were there it was just a load of people that were there and um and you you, you, you do what i kind of like to spot you see, see the amount of uh team shirts because that hasn't been a thing like two years ago where there, there'd be like a couple of team shirts here and there but it's nice to see all these like random teams like black crow gaming popping up and that sort of thing and it's quite nice to see that like like there's the community's growing and everyone's trying to get like little teams together and their like like team colors it's quite cool i quite i quite enjoyed it it's the best yeah. part of 40k isn't it T- team events i mean we talked about it a lot on this on this podcast so um any any teams popping up i mean if anyone has any queries, anything like that, on how you get start, started and sort of making a little team, just just reach out to us. We can give you loads of pointers. I mean, there's loads around uh, where we are in the sort of northwest. So um, if you're around anywhere in the country thinking, like, how do I join a team? How do I get involved? Just 
just shoot out, give us a message, and I'm sure we'll be able to put you in the right direction. Um, but yeah, interesting to make a point about the... Um, you thought it was a very sort of high caliber event, Dom. So I, I had the opposite opinion. So I, I noticed really? when when you look when you look at the normal uh, sort of UKTC events, there's a lot of big names that are missing from that. I mean, you had you had Manny and Boris that are missing, just uh, refreshing from Atlanta. I'm sure if you had like a lot of the Ignite guys weren't there. So for, for me, like we were going to that event, and we were like, what? Why did I bring Grey Knights? I was like, wait, no, wait, wait, no, no. I mean, Vic was there and Chris was there. Um, yeah, but there's, there's a lot. There was a lot. There was a lot of the big, big names missing. From, yeah, but I think, in, in my opinion, I think it's kind of like a, it's. There's always going to be some big names there, and sometime you know, we had. I feel like there were plenty there, but maybe they weren't the usual ones. So yeah, maybe, you know, David sure, Gale wasn't okay, there, yeah. but Josh Roberts was there, and yeah. yeah, Manny wasn't there, but yeah, you were there, Chris, for example. I, I, I was there. I was not. I was. I didn't say. I wouldn't say I was competing. I was. Uh, I was prepping. I would say that. Testing, but, uh, testing. We, yeah, we did. We did good though. We did all right. So we went tired a bit. Um. So in terms of the factions that you guys saw there, were there any that sort of jumped out? Any sort of surprises? I mean, for me, nothing stood out to be honest. Um. I mean, Brian on orcs. Yeah, but I know he's been practicing that a few times online. Uh, um, yeah, there, there was actually. Um. There was uh, <laughs> There was the one. The guy that Josh Roberts played round three. Oh right. Yes. Yes. That demon list, I, I looked at it on paper and I was just like, geez, that's a lot. Like, well, as soon as you take Bellacore out of the list, and it was literally just like a horde of of demons. So I'll see if I can get it out now. Yeah. Um, it's like, it like 60 pink horrors plus stuff, right? And I think yeah, it's, what, what, it's what caught people out was the, the pink horror splitting mechanic. Um, I think a judge was called at one point to discuss this. It was, And how it works is if your pink horror split and you leave one pink horror alive and you have however many blues and brimstone horrors yeah you still keep the four plus in one which it yeah. just shouldn't work that way but it does um, so it's a, the blues get a four plus in one yes yes so as long yeah. as you leave one pink horror alive right because because invulnerable saves are now a unit ability yes i understand it yeah it's interesting uh, it's like if they had a feel no pain they would even though even though blues have a five plus in one then brimstone's have a six plus in one yes yeah exactly. but well you i guess you can kind of um you know you can really assume that games workshop thought of this and uh and factored <laughs> it into well uh, uh. they've seen that firsthand now so hopefully uh <laughs> those little things might get tweaked yeah uh, there was just a lot there. That's why I was so impressed about it because it was just two characters. One of them's alone up. Then it's like nurglings, 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 nurglings. Pink horror, pink pink horror, pink horror, pink horror, pink horror, pink horror. Plague bearer, plague bearer, plague bearer. Then just a load of flames and flesh hounds. And I was like, that's just so many, many like units and also splits and also how do you kill that many in five turns? I know. Like, but it's... then, all, but, but what if you pair into Chaos Knights with that list, right? You just like, oh, I can do nothing, and I no longer even out. Of yeah, the... I mean, I was begging to play that guy. I'll be honest with my list. I was like, please let me play this dude. Because <laughs> I was just like, I have about 150 bolt shots and about an equal amount of melee attacks every turn, and with two up armor saves, you're never killing me. I was like, yeah, just but... let me play him. But that, but that, but that's something about the meta at the moment. No one's taken for the horde, but like Grey Knight, like. So there's a lot of people that are like, like I know Eldar beat this list, but I, like a lot of people are going for like high damage and going for elite killers and tank killers. No one's going for like let's just take a bazillion shots at AP zero and just and and just hose down everyone. Yeah. Well, I was really surprised when I saw because uh, I played next to the, um, your brother Danwell. Um, yeah. 
and Ryan when they played this game uh, in round four, I think it was. Um, so I was I was on the table next to them, and I think by turn two I saw a, a unit of pink horrors wrapping uh, a wave serpent, no, a wave serpent, a night spinner on Dan's home objective, and I was like, oh, this is going really bad for him. And then I found out he won, and I was like, what the hell happened? Yeah, uh, so I'd, I'd, I'd love to speak to Dan and see what happened in that game, but um, yeah, yeah I, I was just that, like, what? It is one that is favoured for the demons. You know, you just you, you can just outmuscle Eldar these days, and that was the intention. Yeah, but some clever plays on objectives. We talked it through, and Daniel basically prevented um, the blue the horrors getting onto the center objective just by block them, off lo- block them off with the uh, with his wraith guard, and then as the same problem, right? They can't kill wraith guard, can't, can't kill the incarn. The incarn just went to the other side of the board and just danced there. You know, it's like, oh, he can't do any damage to me. Yeah. So gave up his own field, but took the rest of the board for it. Interesting. So, in terms of Eldar, then generally the meta, then what, how are you how are you feeling about them, guys? Are you thinking are they still the top dog? Are they still there fighting with CSM for first place, or are they are they dropping off? Or are we? I think I still think they are obviously very strong. Okay, because I mean, yeah, I mean their their kit hasn't changed, right? People have gotten better at playing against them. People do yeah. expect the Incarn to come flying up the board and stuff like that, and they can maybe prep for it a bit. But other than that, I think they are very strong still. It's just that there are now serious predators that can take them out, especially um, the top CSM armies, like the one I was yeah. running. And, yeah. and Dom, did you have uh, a curse in your list as well? You had two units, oh, right? I always have a curse, mate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I love it. These are cursed. Like, Eldar don't like the accursed. It's the same. They don't... It's like the same reason they didn't like it. I played, I played Eldar round four, and he was just like, oh, I just want a curse brick. And I was like, yeah. And he was just like, well, I just can't interact with it. And I was like, I oh, know, it's great. I kill you, and I killed his night spinner turn two, and then I was like, yeah, you, you simply cannot win the game now because of because of primary because I could just go over two objectives. Everything else is like lances and stuff. So as long as a, yes, you can kill forge fiends and obliterators, but you can't kill cursed, and you just outmuscle outmuscle the elder players. Do you think there's any build that can sort of deal with these hordes for the, the Eldar? Do you think it's drastically different to what they're running now? Drastically different, I think. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think if if you're teching just for the Accursed, you're going to have to go into, like, maybe, maybe because they're like MSU at the moment, but I think you have to go away from that and go for probably the triple spinner, but then you have to back it up with just stuff that can just do weight of shots, which is, what's that, the... Um... Like 10 Shadow Spectres, maybe? Like yeah. How many... Up the field, probably, but I mean, it doesn't one shot the unit, right? That what's the that... shadow spectre profile? I know the big yeah, one, it's, it's six AP2 three damage, isn't it? And what's the what's the is it blast? Is like D6 blast, or something? D6 blast, right? So, yeah, that, that'll one, do it for every two, you're gonna get seven on the D6, right? And then plus four for each blast, so that's for every two models, you'll get the 15 shots, I think that is. So, for the whole, for the I'm not gonna do that quick maths, but whatever, <laughs> 21, 75, uh, 45, right? No, 45, 45 shots, right? Per, for a 10 six. man. Oh, for a 10 man. Oh, right. I was thinking yeah, there were six yeah, man. Yeah. I think there were three man and six man for some reason. Don't know why for that. No, it's five man. I think you can go yeah. 10 man. I've never actually seen someone run 10 man. Never even seen a 10 man. But it um, might, might be a tech piece. It, it helps them out because they have a built in jump, shoot, jump. Yeah. So if you're putting one unit forward um, and then you're shooting 18 inch range and then jumping back, that is outside of an accursed unit's threat range. So they can't really yeah. smack you back. Yeah. That could be it could be useful, but it's like question is then what you're giving up and are you then yeah. um, hurting yourself in other matchups? So it's it's hard to know. My thoughts on it. I think um Eldor are just boring and I think a lot of the top top players in the game have just, just shied away from them in the sort of last couple of events. And even though they've gone on to CSM, it's like okay, 
we would probably border CSM now and move on to other things. But um, I, I don't think they're, they're gone at all. I think they're still going to be here. I think they still need a tweak, and I'm really hoping that GW see this. And even though that they're dropping in win rate, they're dropping in win rate because people are fed up of playing them, I believe. Yeah, exactly. Those two, they're, they're being found out. They are still being found out, obviously, by a couple of certain builds, but there's the sort of general mechanics that they have in the army. It's just, it's just unbelievable. They're just having just two movement phases is. It's the incarnate. I don't mind. I honestly don't mind everything else, I, apart from the spinner's like ability to to prevent your movement and that sort of thing. I hate that, but it's the incarnate. It's just way, way too good. I'd slap another hundred on him. He's just so. He just kills so much. <laughs> I disagree. Dom's been touched in bad places by the incarnate. I can oh, tell. So many times. But it's basically <laughs> all they have now, right? It's like that's. You're talking about them being a boring faction, and I think that the Incarn is actually probably very fun to play with, right? Yeah, it's to play a great with. Thing. Yeah. You can just be so dynamic with your game plans. And I think it's the spinners that are the problem. They're the bit, they're like the killjoys and, and Phantasm, obviously. But the spinners being like, you don't get, your opponent doesn't get to do what they normally like to do, which is, you know, run across the board really fast. It's like, no, you don't get to do that. And also, by the way, I'm going to hit you with an Incarn whenever I want. I think that, it's the combination, but I would definitely yeah, hit the spinners. That, that's what I would I say. The yeah, the, the 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 threat of I'm just jumping in there. The threat of at any point in the game, my spinners can pop off, or I can with with the addition of a fake dice, kill something that gives the incarnate opening, and it ruins the core of your army. Just changes so many matchups. I do agree with you. What you said that the, <laughs> is it that they're boring, or is it that the if they were boring but they were still the top army, would people still play Eldar? No. Yes. <laughs> you see, that's where I think it is. I think that top players have switched because Eldar have now got options and counters and ways to find them out. And that when I see people report on games they play at tournaments, team or singles, where they play an Eldar and they beat it like quite well with a good score, it's often because the Eldar player will throw their incarn away early or will make a mistake with the with how they allocate the resources and lose the trade war then they can't play the secondary game because the army is really finely honed it only takes a nerf tonight's been a point and or shooting efficiency and then you're going to have to completely reimagine how Eldar works in my opinion which isn't necessarily a bad thing as long as there is another way for them to work I'm sure there is like, I'm, yeah. sure, I'm sure there's so many things because they're elves they're cheap they're always going to be cheap um, they're, they're, I'm sure there's more stuff out there that like people just haven't gone to it yet. They just need a little, a little change in the new uh, data slate that hopefully comes up in January, just to nerf some things that are a problem, like we spoke about, and then just buff some units, like you know, like the Howling Banshees, Striking Scorpions, that sort of thing. Yeah, the Malay. Just, just the Malay just, on the board. Yeah, just give them a bit of a different playstyle, right? Well, not there's been playstyle so much, just just give the units that just just hit like wet. Thirty units. Wraith Blades, yeah. <laughs> People are running them. People are running Wraith Blades. They're not. They're not a joke. They're, uh, they're, they're like, but that that's a unit that could be viable, right? It's it's not just not being played on mass because everything else just outshines it at the minute. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. So Eldar on the on the down. But what about CSM? Will Will Dom? What are you thinking? You both playing this at the minute? Will our sisters player? What's your opinion? Yeah, yeah. This is it. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll I'll go first because um um Dom. And the only reason I'm playing CSM is because. Dom didn't go to the London Grand Tournament and I was kind of having a bit of a panic about what to play in 10th edition because I was playing demons and I felt like they didn't just didn't really have legs and I didn't really I don't really like monster mash and yeah whatever so anyway I was having an identity crisis with my list and Dom was like well 
think about CSM. They're chaos. You like playing chaos. Here we go. And I'm not going, so you can borrow my army. So <laughs> I'm very, very, very gra- grateful for that. Because uh, they are. I just played, you know, one or two practice game on CS on uh, TTS, and I was like, "Well, yep, this is definitely the faction." <laughs> I'm gonna play. Uh, so, did anything draw you to it other than just not having a faction, or is it just uh, is that the only um, reason? Well, just because chaos, um, and I've played them in the past. I, I normally just play chaos factions, and I, ha- I had some models. You know, I've got some really nicely converted lords that I I put a lot of uh, time and care into. So. Obviously, I want to get them on the table. And lo and behold, um, just before LGT, I think the BSL got his first win with um, just like some GT where he'd had three lords. And then Dom kept being like, accursed, accursed, accursed. So I was like, all right, well, that's good. And that's good. Let's just stick them together and see what we get. And, <laughs> and now, two months later, that's that's what all the, well, that's what. That is, that's the bill, isn't it? Like. Yeah. So Dom, what about you? Why, why are you playing Chaos? I just love, I just love Chaos. I've got the models that I've always like, I've always seen like Games Workshop as Space Marines, and I don't like Games Workshop because of all of, all of the, the the stuff they do, like the, them getting rid of fantasy. When I was just starting to collect a um, uh, Old Lords army, when I was just starting to collect their uh, ogres, and I was like, great, cool, now I've got to bin my army because uh, they're not in Age of Sigma yet. So I I've always collected like the the bad guy armies because it's like me going against Games Workshop in my own little stick like, it to the man Dom buy a different faction yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly but um yeah so I've been play, uh, playing playing at the moment but I don't I don't necessarily go for the um the like meta lord builds because it's not my play style I know it's good and I I could run it and do well with it but I. I quite like Abaddon and the tools he comes with. And me and Will have had discussions about this many times. And he's always just like, just stop holding yourself back with Abaddon. There's there's, there's a world beyond Abaddon. And I'm like, no, there's not. Abaddon is the world. <laughs> You'll die uh, on that hill. I like it. <laughs> I'm, I dying, I'm that. dying on that, that, that hill as well. Um, but no, yeah. Um, I, I, uh, Leicester for me was a testing ground for um, units that can basically accompany um a company csm like i like i did really well with um the abaddon build with, which is just like it's basically just abaddon with forge fiends and a blitz uh when i went to um, hellstorm and um was was playing was playing to hopefully go into the finals and that and i found there were some holes in it so then i plugged those holes by adding like some tech pieces like changelings some seekers all these weird and wonderful things and i got a lot of use out of them and especially in the world eaters matchups the seekers are so good um yeah so it was it was like a testing ground for me like you were testing gray lights so i was testing like tech tech pieces for um um for CSM because I've got um we've got the ITT coming up and also the yeah. I've got in January as well I've got a little, I've got a team tournament at Savage Hammer and so I'm I'm basically just testing stuff just in case the main bill gets nerfed I, I need to learn the tool pieces to kind of go with it um yeah. which is kind of like a, a good mindset to have when you know you're going to stick with a faction for a little bit longer than the meta suggests so this is me basically going like like here, I know the core is a bad end, and I hopefully will tell you within a couple of turns. I need stuff to score points. Let's go for like key units, like double loan ups, load like a few units of nerglings and some and some seekers just to kind of play around and see how it goes. And actually, the choices I made, um, the changeling actually won me three games in a row. 
So I was very, very impressed with him, even though he went from the old 75 points up to 90. He's actually, he's kind of like a, like a, like a... He's cheeky, isn't he? He he really is. He completely shut down Tao. It was, uh, it was quite hilarious. <laughs> so what was, what was your full list end on? What was, what was every unit in your army? What's the run of right, it and, so, and why you picked those things? What were they, picked, what were they doing in the list? Yeah, so Baden's the core, then Dark Commune with um, a a unit of uh, a Cursed Cultist, then Nurgle. Un- undivided? Or they're, they're, they're Nurgle? Uh, they're Nurgle. So in okay. my list, I need a screen, and I need to be able to hold primary and max primary without committing too much um, and not giving away too many units, because I, a lot of my points is invested in just pure like bullying it needs stuff that can just sit. So I play very cagey with my curse. They're, they're not the aggressors, but when they, but when you come too close, they will just launch themselves at you. But it's the fear factor of there's like, what is it, like 40 obsec on this on this objective. Like you try and you try and do anything with it. If you're not within 12, I'm going to nurgle them anyway, so you can't shoot them. So they're safe from spinners. They're safe from all these different things. And like, there's not really much people can do about them apart from you need to basically keep them away from aggressors and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um. So they kind of sit on like a mid objective. So then, and then I've got some cultists to sticky my home objective and then kind of do do stuff during the game. Then it's triple forge fiends and uh, two squads of uh, two man obliterators and uh, two squads of warp talons. There are a load of demons being um, Seekers, two squads and Nurglings, Changeling, Blue Scribes. And all the demons are for scoring and keeping everything else safe and, cre- and creating layered screens. And it it basically, it works It works in a way that it basically lulls you into a false sense of you, you have to play the game with me. But really, as soon as you reveal anything onto the mid-objectives, um, you you just get hammered by the forge fiends, and the oblits don't go for your big stuff. They go for all the all your little scoring units. So you have to commit like a redemptive dreadnought or something you don't really like fancy yeah. doing actions to score yourself points because I don't give up anything in in secondary points. Um, so you're kind of forced to either do uh, telepohomers and something random, or you're forced to go tactical with me. And I've got and it's quite good at tactical. Um, so I already have a, a leg up on primary in in some missions uh, some army builds a little bit different against like wills list where he's got way more curse so that that that's not so much the case and the other demon list that we talked about earlier um but it's more i can hold my primary down quite nicely but then i also bully the midboard and abaddon comes out later and he can kill pretty much anything um and it's so satisfying when yeah. he does as well but it's, it's a massive threat of overwatch as well it's the overwatch is no joke yeah, the Overwatch has always been horrific. I, I played, um, after we came back from WTC, I was playing around with a lot of um, CSM builds. It was just like pure like vehicle spam. It was like, I like, yeah. had like five Predators, three Forge Fiends, and we were just going, we are slapping. Like, it, we had a Hellbrute as well, right? So like, when they're all stood in that bubble, they're going, there is nothing on this board that is in line of sight that will be alive after my, <laughs> my shooting phase. That's a really um, crucial, a crucial caveat you just mentioned, though, of the being in line of sight. Because I yes. find, you know, all you have to do is be like, right, well, I'll just put my five chosen behind this wall then, and good luck. That's what, yeah, that's that's what, what, that's what the Blitzer Yeah, that's what the Blitzer are for. They're just to go, okay, okay. okay, 
Let, you're dead. Not by, turn ca- yeah, careful, boys, because we're gonna... chosen in a rhino behind a wall. Yeah, you're, you're going to give Chris flashbacks to WTC, but there's a blitz that that will get. Oh done. yeah. I mean, I had ten of blitz, so I meant to kill everything on the board, and they didn't. So uh, yeah, let's let's skip over the blitz. <laughs> yeah, um, but that, that's basically the list archetype. Is um, it, it, I, I'm comfortable with priming into every matchup, and it's the guns that really do the talking. And whilst you're worrying about the guns and Abaddon, it's you know, I'm, I'm doing all my scoring as well. And so it's quite hard to do, kind of think about what do I stop first? Because it's not just like one thing. It's like multiple different things are going on. I'm screening you, I'm blocking you, I'm scoring. And it's it's a big headache. That's the idea anyway. Is there, Before we go into the other list, is there a faction that you don't want to play with that list? Or something that you go, oh, that that's just a slog because of how this works? Be it Votan, Talgun Line, Eldar, CSM Mirror... Uh, I was I was happy with all CSM mirrors. I wasn't too keen on um, going into the Accursed build, but I have um, I, I definitely have options for it. Uh, I'd probably say well, uh, Worldy is an orc. Like uh, if they if they go first, uh, full pressure. But I do have the screens. But yeah, it's more it was more like the pressure lists because I can I can as long as I can keep you back and just blast you to pieces. That's kind of where I'm happy. Um, it's really good into Eldar. Um, so it was more the the orc pressure lists or um, or world eaters really. Next list, who's next? Okay, yeah. Um, oh well, CSM so trend. You, yeah, sure. I'll keep it on the CSM so we can compare and contrast. Um, yeah, so like I said, I started my list from being from Dom pushing a curse at me, and um, I was running two units. And after the last tournament I played, I decided that what the list really needed what it wanted to keep playing the way it was or the way I was playing it was a third unit so yes we ran triple accursed with triple commune um three five man chosens I did not go for the 10 man um I think that they do the job just fine as a five man keep it more MSU and then each one's obviously got a lord in it and then so that's two rhinos um two obviously to pile in one rhino and then the other five man in in the in their own car um and then that's basically all the CSM. No, it's not. You've got two Forge Fiends as well. So obviously that's already so much output just from two Forge Fiends that you can basically match some of these other shooting armies with your two vehicles, especially because one of yours can't get shot back, which is obviously very useful. Um, and so then after that, we took some Demon Allies as well. Um, I went away from the Lone Ops. I feel like I've already got the Nurgle Strat. The, um, so, and I've got one Nurgle unit of Accursed, just like Dom. Um, because I think it really opens up the game. You can do some good things with that. Because often your opponent, if your opponent does have a tool that can one-shot an Accursed Cultist unit, it normally doesn't want to do it within 12 inches. So you just like put that unit up. And if they do bring in, let's say, their um, Crisis Stoot unit or something that shoots and they have to be 12 inches away, then you can normally pick that up in response. So then you at least make it a trade. And then it's not going to be killing your other two units of Accursed as well. Um, so yeah, so I didn't get loan ops. I went for Celeste, the demon um, character, the the demon prince herald duo. Um, she's just a great a great um, skirmishing piece. 125 points for something that can beat up scouts, beat up other small you know you know aspect warriors, things like this. She just um, attrition's them down, and then also two units of nerglings for the um, for scoring, tactical, and also for the world eaters matchup because I think they do a very similar job to the seekers for a budget price. So obviously wealthy will. Yeah, I did. I did well. I'm happy with it. 
Um, and were there any ma- like same question that Dom had really? Did any matchups that you were just like didn't want to play? Were you just like, oh god, this, this could go really badly? Or was it? Well, I'm not going to lie. I think, is, I think this is the best list in the game right now, and um, yeah. maybe it's a medical, maybe that people aren't teching into it enough. But um, I just think it just has. It looks like it's a list that wants to just body, right? Wants to just like walk across the the board, and 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 win the game that way, just very straightforward. But you don't, like, these really durable lists, you don't have to play that way. You can just play cagey with them, do as little as possible, and then if your opponent ever does get close enough to attack them, they have to get through these incredibly durable units. And, yeah, I just think that, I think that it puts, it just puts your opponent in such a, such a difficult position. I don't want to play against this unit. I mean, it's everything, right? It's like, the cultists in any army would be good, but the fact that you can give them lone op, and the fact that if you get close to a chaos army, you know you're going to get hit by all these lords. You're going to get hit by the force. Very hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's just the the combination. It just means that. Yeah. I was not. I did not think that it had any bad matchup. So do you think that with we keep alluding to a January data slate that started to be teased from GW? It. Do you think that it would take a big because you both got chaos? Do you think it would take a big dent to push chaos off the top army spot, or do you think it's just if a curse go up in points or lose something? Maybe the OC goes down, maybe the straps for Nurgle's change it. Like, what does it take to knock that faction down a peg or to make... Or is it is if they take a cursed out of the picture, they're unplayable, they're too many points, whatever it needs to be. Does that I make that the army just won't function and everybody will switch no, to something else? What do you guys think? I think it'll be solved by points. I think you can mm, yeah. solve these problems with points. I think, yeah, bump a cursed up. Um, also means so they only res in your command phase, makes like tones down their ridiculous regeneration. It also stops you, like resing isn't just good for getting models back, right? It's good for shenanigans. You can you can get extra movement. You can take your opponent's objectives away in their command phase. Like that's no, that's just annoying, right? Sure, dre- res on and get yourself primary, but don't have it be an extra thing to deny primary as well. Yeah, that's a good step to nerf them. Um, other than that, I mean the CSM. Like chosen going up a bit to match their uh, loyalist sort of counterparts. Was probably I don't thing. think this the army doesn't need to go up much. Like if, if I, a curse go to OC one, why would they go little... to OC one? No, I don't think that's right. I think because I think because it's a, it's an error in the book. It's it's a blatant error. You think that's an error? Because cultists are OC one and a curse cultists are OC two. When when cultists are battle line, it makes no yeah, sense. But, uh, it's yeah, clearly you know, you know what I I never thought about it. I never thought about it. It's very wrong. Um, so I feel, I feel like that will be addressed one, though, in, in the battle line. If they were OC1, they'd just be, they'd be so, much, so much worse. Well, yeah, yeah I think that's why they're meant to be OC1. <laughs> I, I, think, I think it can be fixed quite easily, and I think it kind of fixes the, like, the top lists that are kind of like copy and pasted around. I think you bring, you bring lords from 70 to 90 points, and then now you're suddenly not running three lords. The Chosen, you're bringing them from, like, what are they, 110 to, one, let's say, 130. Or not even that, like 120, just 10 points more, or maybe 15 points more. That alone sorts out a lot of lists. And then what you do is you, uh, you bring the Dark Communes up and reduce the you, you reduce the uh, OC of the Accursed. And that's all you do. I think that is the only fix you need to do. Then, yeah, I'd be, yeah, I'd be happy with that. If, the, yeah. if it's just a little bit of points like that, yeah. I'll drop Celeste from the list. That'd be fine. Yeah, but then, but like right now, CSM just have this extra little bit you know what about forge fiends though like forge fiends are too strong as well no they're not then they're, they're fine 
they're not fine. They're not fine. A 180 point unit that can come in and kill 300 points of marine bodies is not, that's not fine. Yeah, but that's not, you know, that's not the Forge Fiend's fault. It's it's, it's just... because it's got three weapons that are blast on it. It shouldn't have yeah, it that. Yeah, it but, should be but it's, it's just... that, but also access to full rerolls to hit and wound and the CSM deciding when to explode or lethal, right? It's the, it's the whole package is, yeah. So the problems are so deep in, in the rule set that when, where do you pick? And if you pick at all of them at once, then you're going to, you know, the, it's all going to fall down. I don't, I don't think, yeah, I, I, I personally think the only issue with Forge Fiends is blast. That's yeah, what makes I, I think the thing they could hit is the Nurgle strat that lets you shroud those Forge Fiends. Because then if you're trading that Forge Fiend for a big hit unit, maybe it stays the same. Maybe it goes up to 118, 190. But like the, I agree that the, the, the power on it is crazy. That with the right rolls, you can one-shot anything in the game that's standing in the open. That's a pretty good unit. But then what else, they have, like, what, what else does CSM have in shooting other than Terminators and Predators? And, and that's kind of it. Like the the vindicator is so so swiggy but like other than forge fiends there isn't a shooting army a shoot it's not a shooting army anymore and then you just go back to being a, a like a choppy build and a, a rush build all of us real chaos players are already playing choppy builds so <laughs> i'm against it no <laughs> oh, God, oh, God. um right enough of this csm nonsense let's talk about some a bit get a bit of purity in here so um, the list I took, I took, I took Grey Knights. Which well, is... wait, wait. Tell the honest reason about why you took Grey Knights and your dismay. <laughs> so, yeah. So uh, obviously, if people have known me in the past, I am a hundred percent Necron player. I love Necrons. So um, when I saw the detachment uh, previews that came out, I think the week before, I was like, amazing. Necrons now get the Grey Knight detachment, which is teleporting units around the board. Nonsense. Great. So I was like, okay. Um, let's take Grey Knights. Grey Knights will be fun. This will be interesting. Because um, they're not a bad army. I wouldn't take a bad army to an event, but they're not good. Um, they have a, a lot of flaws, um, which was highlighted in my loss in this event. Um, but, you know, I was enjoying it. So I was like, I'd take a nice little fluffy army. This would be great. <laughs> until until I realized that Zach was actually already giving out uh, golden tickets. As, as Vic told me, I think the day before the event, two days before the event, perhaps. And I was like, why the hell am I taking Grey Knights now? I was like, I could be actually taking a good army to Savant. And I was human, and I would have been on you guys. I'd have been with the CSM. I'd have been there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it didn't. We took Grey Knights, I was, and I was really annoyed. But we did well. Um, it was fine. Um, but my list was just 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 jank, really. It was just pretty standard Grey Knights, other than one unit in the list. So I had the five characters. I had Drago, I had Triple Librarian, and uh, Crow. Uh, then we had three units of five Terminators, which two two of the librarians went in. One of them had first to the fray, and what and the and the, the librarian uh, with sigil of exigence, which is the when your unit gets shot, you get to teleport away. Uh, that was in a ten man unit Terminator, so I had three units of five and a ten man unit Terminators. And then other than that, I had one five man strike squad and a ten man purifier squad. So a lot of people don't take the purifiers, um, but purifiers were there purely for you know. If I played CSM like Will, I would have a slight chance. Not not a chance, really, but, you know, if Will fucks up, there's a potential, there's just a scenario where I might win the game. But most likely not, because it's still a horrific matchup. Um, so the purifiers were great, though, because they were just like, just... The output is horrific into a lot of armies. Um, people just don't respect it enough. It's like, it's, they have uh, 24 um, anti-infantry 2-plus guns. 
um, which get hit on twos pretty easily, even through a strat, or if they lose a model, they automatically hit on twos, so it's like really useful. Um, but yeah, it was basically just five units that would just disengage as much as possible. Um, score secondaries, because just great actual score secondaries incredibly well. You play tactical pretty much every game. I think there's one game I played fixed. That was the first game. I think that was the only one. But yeah, it was really just sort of enjoyable to play that. And I sort of got, got super excited for the Necron Codex. I was like, if Necrons have access to this, these rules, I was like, this is going to be so fun. I will, so, I will say, you know what, for people who want to do team events or do, like, do well in singles 40k, you do need to play a game against a good grain like this because they... Like I've watched you play a TTS scrim against one another nation online recently with us with Grey Knights as well. If you don't know what the tricks are and they, you can catch somebody out with it, it's got the potential to absolutely slam you on scoring because you they can just if you aren't expecting when things are going to move or when things are going to pull back or how they're going to drop in and clear you off something, it can absolutely ruin your game, your game plan. Yeah, completely. And and this wasn't this is this isn't like a gotcha army. Like it is. I mean, at its core, it is a total gotcha army, but. You explain to everyone at the start of the game exactly what you can do, and you're constantly reminding them about the game. Look, you move here. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna disappear. You're not gonna be able to shoot me. If you shoot them, they're gonna disappear. You know, it's just like if you know if you don't screen off that area of the board three inches, I'm gonna drop in there. I'm gonna shoot you, and then you can't shoot me, and then I'm then you can't come up with nine of me, and just there's so many things where you just go, like right, you just can't interact with me at all. Um, it's a real headache. It's... I, thought, I thought I'd come up with a real clever way to get around their um, their move away strap by um by like getting my guy my chosen out of the rhino close enough that they'd then be able to charge you so but because when you get out of a rhino that's not a normal move yeah but um right. but every unit in your army has to you're in the movement phase the technical technical way the rules are done you have to go around every unit and say whether it's making a normal move remaining stationary or advancing or falling back or whatever and so eventually you have to pick that chosen unit that's just got off the rhino and say what it's doing. And after you've gotten out of a transport, you're not allowed to remain stationary. So you have to say, I'm making a normal move, but I'm staying still. And the moment you do that, the Granite player is like, right, well, I'm moving away then. Or teleporting, <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. So that actually never came up in any of my games. I didn't realize that's how it worked, to be honest. Yeah. Um, like we had it rule. We had it because I, I, I asked a question uh, when I was playing World Eaters. I was like, if I go, if I deep strike three inches away from this guy, and he disembarks. Can I can I dis can I run away? And I got told no. So yeah, well, yeah, that's right. You that's can't at that point. But yeah, it's it's just. But he has to say he's ending his move. He has to moving. say at some point this unit. Okay. What is this unit doing? It's not allowed to remain stationary. What's it doing? You need okay. to be like, oh, it's making a normal move. Ah, I'm going away then. <laughs> how, to, how, how to lose friends playing Grey Knights with Team England? There we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It is, is annoying, but yeah, it's really it's, it was super fun to play. I like I loved it. You know, even even the game I lost, I was like, this is incredible. Like, I, I have every chance to win this game, but it's just that, you know, the big problem with the Grey Knights is a lot of the time you're relying on nine-inch charges um, to massively swing the game. I mean, because you only have five units, and but if you make one of those nine-inch charges, it can just go from a big loss to a giant win, just like that. Because when you make a nine-inch charge, you can get into a position where then... Okay, normally you'd be trading. You go, right, I made the nice charge. I die next turn, but then like you're in a position where you go, no, you're not going to die next turn because of all these different rules that you have. Just get out of there. So yeah. it's just it's really good. It's just really good fun. So I had an absolute to, blast. Why do you have to rely on that nine inch charge? I thought the idea was that you could you do the damage with because and then um, because you can't running. against a lot of armies. Yeah. Um The pro the problem is is their output's not amazing. That's why you have to take the triple librarian. Because so the librarians like, are like, like, 
their army rules really want them to be this shooting army, but in then they've given them loads of swords. They just got so bolters. They have yeah. bolters and flamers. That's all they have. So it's like as soon as you hit like tanks, you're like, okay. Um, like I said, that's why you have the librarians. The librarians are averaging like eleven mortal wounds on average. To themselves, um, right? To themselves, never. Never. Um, I, I did roll ones at crucial times where I really didn't need to roll ones. Um, but there was times um, in my in my in my last game uh, where I went turn one. I need to kill Angron, uh, and two of them rolled sixes. <laughs> so you know that was that was fun. Um, but yeah, we'll go more into that game in a bit. Yeah, but I had an absolute blast screen. That's really fun. Um. So yeah, should we go through? Um, Everyone's rounds went, unless everyone's got any, any more questions for me on the Grey Knights or anything. Want to know about Grey Knights? No, move on, Chris. Jesus Christ. All right, come on then. Right. We'll go back to Dom then. So, your games, you want to walk us through real quick, Dom? Yeah, sure. Um, I I always hate the first round pairings because you, you basically have like two days to game plan. And you message all your mates and then you get a real good game plan. But then also that's also happening on the other side as well. Your opponent is also having three days already. They've got their TTS loaded up. They're deploying their units. <laughs> exactly. Exactly the same. And it's, it's a, it's an army that I haven't had much practice into. So I was a little worried at first. The matchup was, it was towers, just the, it was breaches and um, suits. And I basically on TTS like um, just did the deployment the best I could of what he would do if he went first and if he if if he was playing for first turn or if he was playing for second turn. And in my head, I had the only way he could deploy. And then when I noticed him not doing that, I would I'd instantly relaxed because then I I kind of knew knew the game plan was in my favour. So. Th- I, that's that's also why I hate the first the first one, the first game because if so, if you if you miss something you also panic a little in, in your head. But um, no, I basically uh, for the first for the first two rounds I had uh, Tao back to back and um, got to play next to you, Chris, as well, which is quite fun. I walked over, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I basically I played Tao twice, and the first the first matchup I was a little worried just simply because I hadn't had the reps into it. But then soon realised that Forge Fiends really, really, really like Crisis Suits, and um, oh yeah, they slap, don't they? They just absolutely hammer, hammer them. Um, but in in both the games, they kind of went the same. Where you kind of, uh, I used my indirect early with the Blitz, left them on the board, and just basically picked up the um, the little scoring units. Was the mindset here? So yeah, that's what you do, yeah. What, what I'm doing now, I'm not I'm not going to describe every single turn and how how this how you play against the army. It's just a mindset of, of like early game, just just to kind of get some tactics out there. But it's basically I used my blitz early on the board with a baton to basically pick up the pick up the scoring units. So then you'd have to use tetras, you'd have to use ghost kills and and shadow sound, all these sorts of things to come up and get up close where I really want to be to get the angles because in the early stages of the turns against Tau, it's hard to get the angles. Um, and I was desperately trying to bring the, the suits out. Um, and I actually found the game-winning piece. It was the last addition I added to my list, which was the Changeling, because I put him in weird places, which was forcing... Because uh, he's got a very good overwatch with the flame, but I basically um, put him in spots where he'd have to interact with him. 
and the he has special rules where basically he can <laughs> basically it's just like the anti towel. Did uh, you roll a six? I did. I rolled a six yeah. <laughs> three turns in a row. You absolute <laughs> animal. So he put his, put his suits down. I just went nope. <laughs> oh, it was absolutely amazing. So but, yeah, um, the, the yeah. change of rule then, Dom. Explain that one. So it's uh, if you roll a dice on a two to five, then minus one to hit, and then on a six, they cannot shoot. Yep, exactly. is that right? That's it. Yeah, isn't it? They, they cannot shoot, and oh. it's just nuts. And then when you also target him, you have to take a battle shock, and then if you fail the battle shock, something happens as well. You can't uh, shoot him either, but you can shoot yeah. you can shoot someone else. You can reselect. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And on the turn where he draws assassinate, it was absolutely hilarious watching him trying to take out this changeling and fail four battle shocks in a row. And ah, uh, it was it was just exactly how like you imagine the best case scenario could happen for a changeling to pop off. And you be yeah, you're worth all your points for the rest of the event now. That's that hand that basically happened in both the, both the tower games, and I was I was just over the moon with that. He didn't really do much the rest of the event, but that that was enough for me to That's be like, fine. Yeah, yeah, you're fine. You you you've done you've done your job. Um, so that was fun. Um, so yeah, my my fir- I'll I'll do the basically first two rounds. That was that was basically tower. The game plan was um, kill all the little units and. Uh, do uh, deploy the teleporters and bring it down because bring it down is just handed to you because they you almost get half of it from them just blowing themselves up anyway. And um, uh, teleporters is super easy with my list because I can I can do it like with my nerglings and do it with seekers all this sort of stuff. And get uh, I was desperately trying to get first ten charges off um, with the seekers into his deployments and just to start tagging things. Um, and it worked and it worked. You just draw them out. When he comes out, he you nurgle you nurgle a forge fiends. He's now got it all lined up. Then you suddenly pivot in your turn two forge fiends around the corner with a bad and rerolls and a blitz firing at stuff. You just basically clean the little side of the border. Um, and yeah, that was that was Tau. It was um, it was good. Both both players are really nice to play, um, and they uh, they did not enjoy the changeling. I can see why. Yeah. <laughs> what was next? Next, so um, round three was I don't know, I can't even remember what my round three was. Oh, that was it, orcs. Oh yeah, this this was one of the matchups that actually was um, I was ready for, but I was concerned that if he went to go first, got first turn, and I didn't get the um, correct deployment in the way I, the way I wanted it, um, then it would be a real oh, it was a real uphill battle. But he deployed to go first. I instantly gulped and went, okay, let's, this is not good. Um, I had my, my screens all ready, so was, I was happy with that. Um, I did make one mistake, which was I didn't put everything on the board. I did put a Forge Fiend out flank, because that's just like muscle memory. You just put a Forge Fiend in out flank. Yeah, I have this. I conversate every time someone plays CSM and plays <laughs> against Orcs. I'm like, don't put anything in reserves. Do, don't, yeah. don't do it. Exactly, exactly. And as soon as I did it, I was like, damn it. <laughs> and then... Uh, we went for the all put on first turn roll. We both roll a four, and I was like, "Oh no, I know this always goes in their favour whenever you re-roll it." And then he rolled, I think it was like a like a four again, and I rolled a three, which then rolled into uh, bounce. It, it bounced and then rolled into a five, and I was like, "Yeah, we're going first, boys." And he's he basically deployed his army in the open because it was like his he, that was his turn. He just goes right. If I go first. 
I'm just going to go ham and it's probably game over. So uh, like as, as soon as it, it starts, yeah, it gets into the ruins, turn two was just runs yeah. out. Just yeah, exactly. But I managed to basically pick up all his transports turn one and uh, kill. And he did that horrendous <laughs> Kareen where if it blows up on a six, you can basically move 20, uh, like uh, was that 12 inches, dump, dump the two war bosses out with your boys out. And they're just there ready. And you're like, Oh my God. So you're still scared, but then I had so I had to actually use my indirect on them to to clean to clean those squads up. Um, and I did, yeah. I basically just just kept ham put that putting putting the pain on them. Just it was blasting. good, just blasting away, and it was that that really was the game. It was whoever got first turn kind of like sealed the deal there, um, which was really good. And I found my list was actually very good into. Um, because I got I got real really shafted with secondaries for the first couple of turns, but then I had to show a bit of resilience and keep not throwing walk turns away, not throwing the seekers away, just to try and um, like keep reserves for when I knew the cards were coming up. And yeah, it was it was yeah it was good. It was hard though. It was definitely hard um, because the orcs can, orcs can just they can just go and just smash units like those squig hog riders. Oh my god, they just absolutely spanked a forge fiends and i was like okay i'm glad i went first because they, i would not want three units of them in my deployment zone turn one yeah so yeah. solid day one dom what did you go into day two with because then so oh, that was three goes down you, you ruined some tower dreams you made not play a cry what did you do yeah. in the morning yeah, so the morning the morning was um I ran into a warmaster and he was running his Eldar with the Incarn, the the usual nonsense, but he was he was running the Falcons and a bit more MSU with your rain. And I went first in that matchup and my idea was just to basically force angles early. So I I I couldn't hit anything turn one. So I advanced the Noble Fortunes up the side of the board just to really put some pressure on to to basically pull his screens away, which worked because then in his turn, in my turn two, I got the angle on the spinners and managed to pick them up and I was over the moon because as soon as that goes down, then the the um, the uh, yin card's just not popping about. Um, so the game plan for, like for my CSN gunline castle into Eldar was basically pick up all the little screen, screening units and actioning units and then force him to be in places that he doesn't and not trickle stuff out. You want him to basically play the game how you want, and that's for you to basically pin him into one quarter, and then he has to pull his his resources around in places he doesn't want to be, because as he's dealing with the other stuff, I'm setting up for the following turns, a blitz and a bad and, and a curse, so I'm starting to, um, starting to get a bit itchy and ready for that home objective rush. Um, but yeah, it was it was interesting in in that game because I overwatched with some obliterators and rolled uh, five shots with the melter shots onto I think it was like a falcon, and then rolled five sixes, and uh, both Jesus. of us both of us just went what? And I was like, oh no! And then uh, as payment came, I then rolled uh, four ones on the roll to wound. But I still still got an immense immense roll through, which actually stopped one of his secondary plays getting his falcon up. And then you know the you know the you know when it moves up moves up it dumps the yeah. out the dragons then kill a forgery and that old story. It stopped that. 
and uh yeah it was it was definitely interesting but i was i was gobsmacked at how brutal that overwatch was in that phase and i think in the the turn before he moved some bikes up and the fortune just went nope they're gone see you later um yeah i, I think i'm going back to what will said fortune's op fortune's op yeah. don't be uh, giving you this the really balanced units but bs oh yeah all right then yeah 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 yeah. it was i actually found the um the blitz were the the thing that really just hammered him i i got so lucky and i had I had a couple of my teammates around the table at one point and they were just like checking out after their games are finished and I, I basically was hit the following turn after that overwatch happened uh, he then moves another unit and i did the exact same thing with the was getting like five sixes and then I re-rolled it was the blast shots and I re-rolled and then got another and I was like oh my god that's eight sixes which explode oh my god and yeah it was it was yeah it was it was hard because it's Eldar and the raid tricks and they're always in the game that's the thing to remember but the the I, if as long as you keep the pressure on and you're using your their movement phase as a, as a second shooting phase. It's very, very good. So, so at this um, point, Dom, you, you, you've played four games, you've janked four people, your dice are on fire, going into game five? Yeah, going into game five, and I w there's a caveat to all of this, that I was on death's door with this. I, I basically had, like was ready to pack up and go home, but then I, I got paired into Nassim, and I was very happy with that, because I, I always have a good game against Nassim, and um, I went into to World Eaters, which was interesting, and I... I learned from the Orc matchup. I was just like keeping everything on the board. Everything's yeah, being on the board. And uh, which actually was a little bit of a mistake because I killed him too quick. And then I didn't have enough stuff to do secondaries. And because I had to trade and screen and block and everything like that with my things, that all my fast units were killed off in the early start parts of the game. Like, I think it was at the end of turn two, I asked him how many units you got left. And he goes, two. And I was like, oh, damn it. Because I, I picked up the first couple of turns all of the action secondaries, and I knew all the killing secondaries were going to come later in the game. And the game deck came down to, I think it was like four points. And if I'd have got any of the, like, I couldn't, like, I, my army was too slow to do engage, which is mental. Uh, it was yeah. too, it's too slow to do engage. Like, it was just a blitz and a bad and walking about with some forge fiends. And uh, I think. Yeah, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do behind me lines. Couldn't do kill stuff on objectives. Couldn't do um, get his objective. And I was like, wow, they're horrendous pulls for the last two turns. Like, I, like I've max max prime max primary, but I just cannot do the secondaries. So lesson learned with that is that I know I know the matchup well. Like, I can table the uh, world he world eaters relatively quickly, but it's you need to be a bit better with screening. Because if I just had like one warp talent unit, or maybe one unit of Nerglings more more in reserve, like that just helps. Um, but yeah, no, I was uh, I was I was happy with the game. Like I, I I saw it as a learning curve because I had every, I had all the tools to win that game and win it handsomely, but I just hadn't had the reps into that, and I thought it was going to be more like the Orc game. So it was more like if I reracked and we went again. I put an extra thing in reserves. I just I just use a couple of units of screens. I might, I might even use just cultists of screens. Um and I, I think I lost the accursed too early, but I did manage to pick up the entire eight bound unit in one round of shooting. Um, which was a bit nuts and he was a bit confused at how yeah. how that happens and forge fiends are definitely not OP. Um <laughs> Whatever, 
Well, yeah. uh, 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 well, at that point, that's a, that's a nice segue because we'll 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 leave. Forge fiends are definitely not OP. We'll go yeah. over to something that is OP, which is Grey Knights. Bring that yeah. Because that's a so that's a pretty good, respectable four and one then, Tom. Yes, yes. Could could have been could have been five, but um, I just uh, I needed the extra rep, and that's where uh, playing with TTS and team games help. Um, yeah. Where did that leave yeah. you in the in the, the final yeah, standards? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Where did that leave you in the final standards, Dom? Uh, I think that left me at I think it was fifteenth out of the two hundred odd. Uh, okay, then Kinnear, can you beat fifteen? Amazing. I cannot okay. beat fifteen. <laughs> oh, let's hear it. I can't. So um, yeah, I started off. Um, I had one practice game going into this event. Luckily, it was against my first round uh, opponent, but this was before I knew what my opponent was. I played versus Admech in a random practice game online. I was like, felt good. Um, so going into that with Grey Knights, um, it was pretty typical. Um, Twelve breaches plus stuff, um, and I did not fall into the trap of underestimating breaches, thankfully. Which a certain other uh, team member. Shout out to Big PJ, big night for the win. <laughs> um, they are they are horrific. Um, so my entire game plan here was get the purifiers into those because I know the purifiers will pick up four or five of them um, and then either kill both units or kill one unit and ignore the other if that's possible which is exactly what I did so I killed um, one unit on, it was Dawn of War first board so one unit on one corner one unit is in the other so I was like if I kill one the other's complete opposite side of the board just ignore it so that's what we did turn two that breach squad died um, and then from there, it was just I just slowly marched across the board towards the breacher squad. Didn't even shoot them in the, in the entire game, I don't think. Um, but ended up winning uh, quite handily in there. So that's that's all you really need to do in that game. We just kill the breachers or ignore them and just score your points. Um, then I went into Death Guard. Uh, luckily, I played Death Guard at the last event, so I knew exactly what they were up to. Um, and this was um, Death Guard, but it only had two units of Plague Marines. So I was like, oh, this feels a lot better. Because um, he doesn't have the trading pieces, um, and it was kill more, hold more. So Grey Knights fantastic at that mission um, because you will just never kill them if, unless they want you to. What did he so, have in place of those units then, Chris? What did he spend his points? So he had, um, I think he had two, two ten man bricks, and then he had uh, three plague burst crawlers, and he had some brigands as well, um, and then there were some terminators in there. So that's I think that's what made up the the points. He had he had brigands and terminators instead of. Uh, rest of the plague marines effectively um but the my game plan here was just deny kills as much as possible so turn one um i uh, deep struck my first of the fray unit in picked up a unit of nerglings and they were in a position that if he wanted to move out of his deployment zone at all i could miss the way which is where the Grey Knight annoyance comes from he has the choice he either sits there and shoots doesn't move at all onto any objectives and just gives me hold more, which I'm fine with, or he tries to tie the kill, um, and he decides to try and move out of the objective, because if he doesn't, then the rest of the game he's just screwed, because he has no staging, um, I can just do what I want. Um, so yeah, he moves his rhino up, I miss away, I get kill more, and that's basically how the game goes. Um, he just doesn't really move much out of his deployment zone, because I keep just deep striking in places, I pick up like a 10-man play marine unit between... A purifier squad and a library, a couple of librarians. I make a a charge onto a plague burst crawler with Drago's unit, and then he's just screwed at that point. Um, so that's a good win for me. Um, game three. What was game three? 
I can't remember now. Quality podcast, Brett, people. Let's talk about this tournament. Can't remember what I played third round. <laughs> it was game three. I'll edit this no, bit, I've... buddy. Yeah, <laughs> Hold on, we're getting there. Round three, it's... Oh, I played Mark. Yeah, of course I played Mark. I was... <laughs> God. How do I get this? So, Mark was playing uh, Chaos Knights, and I turned up to this, and I was like, oh, this is horrific. I'm playing Grey Knights. My, my highest strength weapon is strength six. Um, I'm just not going to get through him. Um, I just don't see how I can actually kill this many vehicles. Turns out Grey Knights kill them very easily. Um, between Librarians and Lethal Hits on the charge with all your Terminators, it's just absolutely, you just, you just tear through them. I was like, what, what is going on? I'm just I'm just obliterating him. Um, I think by about turn three, I think he had like three Knights left in his back corner, and that, that was it. Um, it was like turn one, I went out and killed um, one Carnivore. Like That was my focus in this game just just kill the carnivores because brigands really don't do anything into grey knights when you have two up armor saves everywhere and armor contempt um even when they're getting ap2 on their chain cannons you go cool i've got cover i've got armor contempt i've still got two up saves versus you your melters you know you maybe get one through and you'll kill you'll kill a terminator and then guess what in my turn i'm gonna res that terminator straight back so the brigands i just wasn't worried about at all i was just scared of the flat free damage from the carnivores so that was my entire game plan, to kill the carnivores as quickly as possible. And then I felt comfortable after that. So that, that's exactly what I did. I think I killed all the carnivores, um, barring maybe one by turn two. And I, I killed one, yeah, I killed one turn one, two, and like a half turn two. Uh, so yeah, turn three, there wasn't many left. So it, was, it went really well for me. Um, that ended up being quite a big win. Mark did bounce a couple of times, so we'd like run in with a carnivore and then like kill them and then like... But if you do the maths, they don't actually kill you that well. So it's like six attacks, you know, you get like five hits. They'll get like four, maybe say you get five runes. They'll kill two or three Terminators on your, your invulns. And you go, cool, you res one back again. So you've killed one or two Terminators. It's like, it doesn't, it doesn't do anything. So, you know, in hindsight, it's probably a good game for Grey Knights. I, I like that one. It was really uh, good to play that. Um, so really interesting game. So after turn, that was sort of three games, felt good. Um, that was a nice win to get under my belt. I felt like strong going into game four. So, I you know, you sat there on the Saturday night, you get your pairings up later on, and I get paired with uh, Ben Jones playing Eldar. And I'm like, I think that's one thing. If you're playing Great Knights, that is that is what that army is tech to deal with, is Eldar. So they do really well into that game, um, especially sort of Ben's list as well. He doesn't have any Wraith card. So it was just chaff everywhere. Still with the Inca. Uh, no Incarniva. No no avatars at all. He had like uh, two units of fire dragons. He had a unit like striking scorpions as well, just to do some dev wounds um, and just a bunch of nonsense, really. I think he had three units of spiders, warp spider, um, the shadow specters, swooping hawks, just a bunch of stuff. Um, and then he had a couple of harlequin boats as well. So it was just a really like janky army that was like, I could see why it'd be good. Um, but just first grain eyes, you just can't stand up to it because I'm just deep striking three inches away with bolters and flamers and just, just picking whatever I want up. The librarians are crazy. Like a librarian will go in and just kill five models of whatever he wants to between his random shooting and his uh, mortal wounds. So that was a really good game. Um, so effectively that just came down to me just don't fuck up, um, just score my points. So that's what I did. I just focused on score my primary, score my secondaries and don't really care what he's doing, just kill what I can. Um, so I ended up getting 100 points in that game, so that was, that was a nice win. Solid. Um, and then game five. So this is the this is the matchup that I really didn't want. It was this and CSM. So I played World Ears because the issue Grey Knights have is 
when you have many, many melee units. Because mists only works once, because you can't do that twice in a turn. So uh, the problem you have is I'm never scoring primary in this game, because he just goes, well, I'm just going to shove all these rhinos up, I'm going to shove all these airbound in ruins, and you can try and dig a couple out, but if you try and dig a couple of them out, you're going to die in return, and they're just going to keep charging onto objectives and be like, right, you're just not scoring. Um, and the worst happens in this game, um, Raph goes first, and it's on search and destroy as well, so it's a corner mission. So he's like, he's super and, and I will say, Raph, Raph has played recently played a lot of Grey Knights and played in yes. England at a team event. So he, exactly. of all the people to play, he wasn't going to make a mistake and go, oh, I forgot they did that. Exactly. So that was that was um, that was bad. Um, so Raph goes first, puts Angwan on one objective and just covers it. Cool. Puts a Rhino on one objective, covers the entire objective. Cool. Puts a second Rhino on the other objective. And this is a 15 primary mission, so I'm like, okay, I can't take you off any of these, and you're just going to score 15 for probably two turns if I just sit here. So this is this is not good immediately. So I have to just make the ballsiest play um, if I want any chance to win this. So my plan is kill Angron turn one and hope he doesn't come back. That is the only way I see like, I see an out in this in this game is if he dies, you know, I can kill the rest of the stuff very easily. Um, I just need to get a little, not with my army, on average he does die, but I did get a little lucky, so I'll go into that. So I teleport um, three units of Terminators and the Purifier Squad. I put the Purifier Squad three inches away from him and a unit of eight bound so that, you know, I can just blast either of them. Fortunately, my first Librarian rolls a six. Brilliant. So when you roll a six, the Librarian does 2d6 mortal wounds. I didn't roll Mega High though, I only mean, rolled six. Um, but then I rolled another six and did, I think, seven. So it was like a lot, a lot of output. He did have a feel no pain, um, but between the three librarians and the Terminator shooting, they died, which then allowed me to shoot the purifiers into a three man eight bound unit and pick them up. So, you know, I felt pretty good at this point. Unfortunately, Raph had other plans. Goes to Raph's turn two. I'm like, cool. I, I'd wrapped a rhino in the middle so he couldn't get a 10 man um, berserker squad out. And I felt like, you know, this is going all right. Okay, I'm. Totally safe. All my Terminators, my Purifiers are completely safe because I've done this rap. Um, so he moves out with six man eight bound unit, kills that strike squad, and because he killed the strike squad, allows him to use the stratagem to roll his uh, eight bound. There's whatever they're called, the, the corn rule. I don't know what it is. They roll eight dice, whatever that chart's called. And he rolls a triple six. Yes. <laughs> so I kill Lang on turn one. He comes back turn two at the worst possible time because now he can rapid ingress in my turn. So I was like, oh, this is awful. I still had a chance in this game. I still had a chance. Even with Angron coming back, I was like, oh, right, I've had a good shot. I've, you know, I've cleared him out of one flank. So, you know, I'm like, I bring, I come in, I pull Capture on the Outpost. So I put Drago down for a six-inch charge and some cultists on the back. The cultists, the uh, jackals. And I'm like, that feels good. And then I set up my other units to make a nine-inch charge into the six eight bound that just killed my strikes and then you know if i make one of those charges i finish off the eight bound because i was shot and mortal wounded with the librarians before and then wrap the rhino again and then at that point all he'd have to kill me if that came off was angron plus um khan squad and khan actually isn't very good in the green knights with the armor contempt two up armor contempt you know you're still getting free up saves versus him so he's not that scary so you know i was like yeah, i had a plan um but it just went this way it went just severely tits up and this is what i mean by you're relying on nine inch charges. You know, first charge you do is Drago. You do a six inch charge, fail it. All right, that's what you save your CP for. Fail it again. I'm like, oh, come on. So that is capture enemy outpost gone. That's five months more primary for him. And that's me never scoring five primary on his own objective. Because I would have just sat there the rest of the game then. 
Um, and then I can proceed to fail all my other nine inch charges into the middle. Oh. And <laughs> so at that point, you need Dom to roll some dice for you there, Chris, because that it was is, game over. Is sad it was just, yeah. I was done because at that point, then I get charged by eight bound, I get charged by the ten berserkers that I wanted to wrap again in the rhino, and I get charged by Angron and Khan. And yeah, it's bad. So it was just game over at that point. Um, but I was really happy with the way that I played it. I was like, I knew this was a bad game. Um, I had an out and I played for it, it just didn't pull off. But that's that's dice, that's the way it goes. But uh, Raph played it really well and knew exactly what to do. Just just do what you do against Grey Knights, right? You just cover the objectives and go, right, you can't do straight three inches away from me. Take me off the objectives. And you go, you do struggle, but... Well, it sounds, like you, had, it, it sounds like you had three big wins uh, and then... Four, so four big wins and then oh, that was your last yeah. loss. So I you must have been close. Until that, yeah, yeah. You must have been close to the top then as well. Um, no, because I, I only got... Because um, I got so little after that because that was turn two. So I didn't score like any primary for the rest of the game. Ah, okay. I'm only scoring like 40, 50 points in that game because I had to go for such a big play to win the game that it didn't matter if I, you know, you know it it's not teams, it doesn't matter what the differential is. Well, we, we, won't, we won't dwell on that. You can find Chris's final placing on BCP if you want to go search it out, check out his green list. That brings us all the way around to Will. Yeah. How did you do so, with your sister's battle in this event, Will? Then? Oh, sorry, sorry. CSM because your, your sisters weren't. Ready, well, luckily, painted. I didn't own. Yeah, I didn't own all my systems. Oh, yeah, yet. that's what it was. Yeah, sorry, man. Yeah, it's it. tough times. Yeah. Although, coincidentally, I also don't own this army that I was playing. I believe and, so. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Manny, Manny lent his army. I was going to borrow Manny's, but he lent his to Josh Roberts, who was also at the event. And obviously, um, Dom here was playing his accursed, so I had to. Uh, I had to scrounge some accursed from <laughs> one of my brother's teammates. So I was very happy to uh, to finally pick one up because obviously so, they did. They did very well. So, me. give us the journey of the scrounged accursed. So um, I started off with Custodes, um, and this can be a bit rough at times because they have the um, the fights first on all their units. But um, so really, I went into it kind of challenging myself to to work out the best ways to, to put into practice. I, I already knew kind of how to get around these things. You know, like you put half one unit on one side of the unit, the other unit on the other side of the unit. So then even though they fight first, their attacks get split. They're not going to pick up all your chosen. So this, these are the kind of ways to, to get around it. And then your Lords, when they connect, just uh, just totally bop the, um, the, the three wound profiles. So it, it's, in fact, it's made easier because you've got the Forge Fiends and the Lords who are both very good into Custodes. Um, so they can't, they have to pop the feel no pain in the shooting phase to, or the four feel no pain, which is once per game, or else I'll just die to your forge fiends. So that means when the lords connect, they just, just kill entire units. That was, uh, that was game one. Um, game two was into Necrons and this, uh, game can really be summarized by this one moment where it was the, it was the kill more mission. So you hold more, kill more. And I had, I had first turn, so I didn't kill anything and I'd sent out a rhino full of chosen. So he basically attacked this rhino with a bunch of stuff, got really unlucky, and it was a lie. It came down to three saves, and um, there were six up saves. So I slow rolled the dice, because I was like, I needed to make I needed to make one, one six up of these dice. So I was like, okay, slow roll them. Nope, neither one was a six. It's like, okay, so it's dead. And that means he's got, you know, one point for bringing it down or whatever, four points for bringing it down. He'll get eight points for the kill, kill more. I haven't got a kill. So that's, uh, yeah, this is, this is a big point swing. Okay, okay, so I'm going to CB this six. <laughs> so we go for it. I roll it, and the dice lands in the middle of the table, six up, but cocked ever so slightly on a model. And I, but I'm like, no, fine, it's not flat. 
I take it. It's not a six. We'll have to re-roll it. So I go for the re-roll into the into the dice tray, and it's another six. So <laughs> we Jump all in. we all we all <laughs> hoot and holler. That's the first time I've ever CP to get a six, and it paid off uh, massively. And that was sort of yeah, that was the game from there. Um, I mean, it's always going to be Necrons, I think, isn't a hard matchup for CSM. So basically, you just bully them with them um, with bodies, but with that kind of point advantage there, um, it meant it really slipped away from him. Then my last game of day one was into Death Guard. It was Aiden Smalley. Um, he's like a one-trick Death Guard player. I've definitely, it's a name I recognise. He wins, he wins events with his Death Guard, and I think actually Death Guard are good right now. Um, and they have the advantage of not being very prevalent. So no one really has the experience into them. So they're a bit of a dark horse right now. And I certainly felt a bit intimidated going in. Um, luckily, Aiden, luckily for me, Aiden didn't have that much experience either. So he was also intimidated because obviously no one wants to look at 60 a curse. Um, so in the end, well, really at the beginning, he, you get to make a choice with Death Guard where it's like an army-wide debuff when they're in your contagion range, contagion range, which is basically all the time. So it's basically just you debuff your opponent's army in a way. And he had a choice between turning down my weapon skill, so making me making those accursed hit on five space, which is really bad, or um, making my OC one less. So then it puts the accursed down to, to one OC instead of two. So these are both good, and I can see why he chose the one he did. Um, it's because I'd taken, he chose to reduce my OC, and that's because I'd taken cleanse and homers. So he, it was, he felt like if he could fight for the objectives a bit better, it would deny some of my cleanses, and he wouldn't have to just kill me. But that meant that in the straight fight, I, my curse just had the edge. Whereas if he'd made it so they were hitting on fives, then maybe they wouldn't um, just chew through his army as efficiently as they did. Because he has yeah. just one one fights first unit that is very powerful. It's a plague marine. Um, yeah, they they hit surprisingly hard in combat, and they have a fights first, so it's very difficult to charge them. But um, yeah, we so I in the end I did do all this jank to get into it by charging a rhino that was like quite far away, but that's just a cursed thing. So you can like charge a rhino and put some cultists into it, and then twelve to fifteen inches away, you've strung out these cultists and your torments. The ones who actually hit hard in combat, combat swing round in an arc and actually hit the thing they want to hit. So I did all that, um, and he forgot to intervene. But then afterwards, we rolled it out, and it turns out that he would only have done enough damage to kill all my small cultists, and then the torments would have gone on to do what they did do, which was wipe that unit. Um, so it didn't really change the game, but now I learned that actually you don't always have to do really janky things. Sometimes you can just punch the opponent in the face with your curse. Like in that game you 100% take the minus one markers skill. Yeah, you do. Because yeah. you you, you combine you combine that with the minus one damage into the curse and they do literally nothing to you. Yeah. So it's yeah. And obviously if you've got a nurgling nearby then the curse yeah. you hit on fives or sixes if you're haven't activated. If I haven't done yeah. my one once per game activation. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's horrible. yeah, I think that was a mistake. It was just um obviously it was a bit intimidated um bit nervous and it's an easy mistake to make when you're going when you don't have the practice game in a matchup he was um he felt like he would, was creatively sol problem solving um and yeah and just just quite very easily made the wrong choice and he he himself knew it was the wrong choice by turn two i think um yeah so that was a another win that was the end of day one and then over the night i drew into eldar my first eldar opponent and this is someone he recently won the goonhammer open um so 
I felt like, you know, he's going to be a, he's going to be a competent player. Um, he was, I, he was actually, he was a really lovely guy. I really enjoyed this game, but we, he, we kind of both knew how this one was going to go. This is like the classic triple spinners, um, a few aspect warriors and the Incarn. Um, maybe it was only double spinner, but um, they just don't have the output to to kill three units of a cursed. And this is kind of why why I put the third unit in because a good Eldar player will be able to kill you off a section of the board. He'll be able to take down one of the accursed, um, but he can't. He just doesn't then doesn't have enough gas in the tank. So what I do in this matchup, I've learned is um, I'll just trade really inefficiently with all my pieces that aren't accursed. So I'll send like a chosen unit with a lord in it just to go kill five aspect warriors if they give me the chance or to take out the weight, the way leaper, the autark way leaper, you know, if I can kill him twice, but if not, that's probably going to mean, you know, on a two of he gets up anyway, that's fine. I'll, I'll put my chosen into that because I just know that if you get them down to the point where they've got, you know, they've got their wraith guard, their incarn um, and three night spinners, that's, you know, whatever, a thousand points of their army, maybe a bit more than a thousand points of their army left. Um, it's that that thousand points is so inefficient to the accursed that you end they end up losing on primary anyway. Do you find uh, that the elder player finds himself on the back foot when you do stuff like that? When you're actually throwing stuff that might look like the it's crazy with a bad trade, but then at the end they're like, oh, that's actually really bad for me. Do you find that you catch them out or? Um, yeah, I think that there's a lot of elder players have learned to hunt chaos lords. Um, because since LGT, you know, um, they feel they're obviously very powerful into the Wraith Guard and things like this. So there's, it's almost like you're collaboratively <laughs> getting these Chaos Lords out into the open to be killed. You know, like they, they try and do some weird rap with their, um, their Warp Spiders and they'll trade five Warp Spiders and manage to kill my, my Rhino and then my Lord, my one, you know, Lord inside. I'm like, I was just going to go send that Lord out to kill those warp spiders anyway but thanks thanks for bringing the warp spiders to me i'll just pick them up with with this other thing so it's almost like both players work towards the same goal which is good for the accursed so then so that was so you just end up winning on primary and so that took you through four pretty good games and that left you in the fifth game with chris radford's marines yes chris radford yeah a competent player um and he 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 was also, luckily for me, playing a list um, that he hasn't played that many reps on, he told me. Um, so he said he played one practice game with the list on TTS before the event, and he said that he played it into my list. So <laughs> I was like, good, but then also, no, you have actually played the practice game. He also said, he's, very, he's, very, he's obviously very honest in his practice games, because when I play practice games, I definitely make my opponents a bit worse than they normally would be, I think. So, but he was like, so he didn't, he wouldn't tell me who won the practice game when it was him versus him. So um, I felt that probably meant either, either he's, you know, being really sly and he won it easily with the Marines or, um, or the accursed list is uh, difficult for him to deal with. So I didn't want to assume, but I thought maybe. And, and here's yeah. a twist on the John Lennon recent list from the world champs, but he's taken out the eradicators and put in whirlwinds, which obviously gives him lots of play into Marine mirrors, Eldar, lots of things. How does it fare into you? Do you think? Honestly, yeah, it's good. Yep, the um, the whirlwinds help pick up, the, you know, any dwindling accursed that have been left by the the big output from the let's say the aggressors or the devs, uh, dev sense, um, or they just um hammer, hammer rhinos even they threaten rhinos or um or the chosen after they're out. Yeah, I think I think it's good. I think the whirlwinds are great. I think it's a good addition. 
and it plays into the way the list wants to play, which is quite standoffish, make it difficult to attack that list. And so the whirlwinds help with its game plan of being kind of uninteractive. So in this one, um, I kind of decided to play a bit cagey. It was one where you can get 15 points for primary, which is actually rarer these days than it has been in the past. So that's good for me. Um, so basically, I just plan to hold the middle objective with my Nurgle cultist, because then, as I mentioned earlier, if he wants to kill those Nurgle cultists with his dev sense, which will, you know, it'll almost pick up the whole unit in one go. Um, to do that, he'll have to drop in 12 inches away. And then even if he rolls a six to move away when I try and charge him, I'm still going to be close enough that that's probably only a six inch charge because of the kickback from that, say, the chosen there. Yeah, so what, so what you do in that situation, you put, what I did was I put my accursed just poking out onto the middle objective where there's a, there's a wall right behind it. And then in that wall, almost as far forward as the accursed, I had um, 10 chosen and two lords. So that's like ready to explode out if he wants to hit those Nurgling accursed. Nurgle accursed, sorry. Um, so Chris felt himself in a bit of a checkmate position here. So, or checked at least. So tried to break his way out by getting very aggressive with all of his Inceptus, which are like the plasma dudes who oh, are very good at them. killing. I hate them. They're very good at killing chosen. Um, but not. They're decent at killing Chosen, but they're not amazed. They, he's not going to wipe my entire army with, with 12 of them. So, um, yeah, he ends up getting very aggressive. It's a good move. It stops me getting a Forge Beam down that turn, and it does kill one unit of Chosen, but I pop the um, like Armor of Contempt, and he has to drop near a Nurgling unit, so he's minus one to hit, and that means that he doesn't get quite as much efficiency as he could, so I still, at the end, have two units of Chosen with their Lords still intact, and like two or three Chosen left, which is really all you need, because they just need to give the Lord advance and charge. And, and that unit is, a, is as threatening as it ever was, really. Well, it's interesting, because Chris, Chris is uh, applying for the England team as well, and his feedback on that game is he thinks it's a mistake to drop like that, and he could have been more conservative and drawn out his exchange with you with the Chosen unit. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that... But that being said... Um, it, yeah, it would have been a different game. I'm not sure how much. I'm not quite sure how that army does attack me efficiently enough, right? And we just get back to the problem of the fact that the CSM have too much stuff right now, because um, it's it's very good at killing. You know, it can kill, almost kill one accursed a turn, which is a lot more than a lot of armies, and that makes means I have to play really quite cagey. But I had the advantages of going second and. Um, and with that and being able to get get 15s earlier in the game, um, the Interceptors aren't really attacking my primary that much. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure he's in a position to take out enough of my resources to to swing the game fully in his favor. But I think that, yeah, it would be it would have been a different game. And I'd like to get one on that one on the table. But I did manage to win that one um, quite. Yeah, I can't remember. So that's five big wins. That was five wins, yeah. That was actually my first 5-0 at, at one of these UKTC events. Did you get to finish early so you could get into, like, the will see who else was joining you in the top five, or was it kind of a... Absolutely not. No, Chris and I <laughs> were playing down to... We, we, it was a it was very, a very um, tactical game. We were, we were both thinking a lot and just taking... Like, I'm pretty sure we had 15 minutes left each on the clock, and we'd just finished turn two. So, obviously, like that, we both understood how important that initial stage of the game was um so yeah so no 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 free time 
and as soon as you finished throughout round five, they try and get you playing that next game just straight away. They're just trying to get you right in. So, um, yeah. So then my sixth game, I played my brother, who is on Eldar. Um, but so this was this is I think the lucky way around. So Nas on his world eaters on the table next to me was playing. This is a battle, and I was playing Eldar. And this is a matchup I'm familiar with against an opponent who obviously I've played quite a lot. So. I knew it was going to be a much more relaxed situation, which is what I needed because I was absolutely exhausted by this point. Um, and I couldn't, I just didn't, didn't feel like I had it in me to play two more games of 40k. So playing against Daniel was definitely uh, beneficial to me. So this was um, sort of quite similar to the, it was a weird mission. It's one with four in the middle. But anyway, just the Eldar matchup again, it's quite similar. He, he attacked me really well. He took out one and a half of my curse, but like I said, just aggressively traded everything away and it got to that same end game state where it was like, yeah, I was 20 points up on primary. So um, there was just not really any way for the Eldar to bridge that gap on the secondaries. So then it was on to... Easy. The... So, so, so so far we're finding the curse is making this easy for you, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, let's be honest. Um, in some matchups, definitely. I think there were maybe... I think one unit would have been better into um, Chris Radford. The one Nurgle unit was like an anchor, and the rest was sort of like a liability that I had to protect. If I'd had more other threats, like maybe a Blitz, I think that that would have helped that matchup matchup out. But in the matchups where they do help, they just they just win the game for you. And often, yeah, yeah. And in El into Eldar, that's a great thing to have. So what does that bring you to that? That's Worldy is final game. Um, Nas finished his semi-final game in about. Like maybe ten minutes, he was uh, he was just he went first. No way. <laughs> His opponent got about thirteen points, I think that's or seventeen maybe, and that's including ten for painted. So um, yeah, it was a it was a devastation. And I think Nas had gone first um, six out of six times at that point. So going into the seventh game, I definitely deployed, um, thinking I'd probably go second, which I think actually Loki I wanted to go second um, into World Ears, which is maybe a strange thing to say, but. Um, yeah, I think that my deployment was good enough that I wanted Nas to see if Nas would make the mistake of attacking me. He did not. Um, but yeah, so I just deployed a very good, a very uh, good line of of accursed, and then four inches back. You have the rest of your stuff, your juicy stuff that's going to do the damage, and you make sure that your accursed is in two ranks so that Angron can't come and land nicely in that four inch gap. And um, yeah, so that almost happened, but luckily I caught it at the last second. <laughs> So yeah, so Nas goes first. Um, I don't know, yeah, what was the, the key moment of this game? He couldn't really attack me turn one. My choices were to attack Angron or not, and I chose not. I think that's basically always the right choice when when you have something else to kill, because oh, it's just such a loss con condition for him to come back, and he comes back 50% of the games. So yeah, I think that if you have the room, kill eight bound before you kill Angron. That means Angwan takes his just like pound of flesh isn't really enough, you know. He takes he takes a quarter of <laughs> quarter of your army every time he activates or something. So you have to you, he's gonna he's gonna kill at least a unit a turn. So you 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 hemorrhage your own army and you just have to make sure that you're making the world eaters bleed at the same time. And by the end of the game, um, after a, a very very back and forth fight, I think. I had one chosen, one solitary chosen on one objective, um, and Celesque on another objective, and a unit of, of curse strung, almost strung on 
all the way from his home objective to my home objective as giving a wide berth as possible to the middle objective where Angron was standing. And then Nas also had two rhinos, one on his home field and one on my objective. And that was that was all that was left on the board. So if you'd been, if you'd been forced to go second, or sorry, first in that game, do you think that would have been harder for you to, to pull the win out? It's hard to know. Um, it would have given Nas the last activation, which is good. It's the mission where you score five primary per objective at the end. Indeed, yeah. So, yeah, so at the end of the game, I scored 15 and he scored 10. Um, it wasn't a five-point game, though, so if that had been reversed, it would still have been my game. Is that true? No, it wouldn't. No, no, no. Yeah, it would have been as simple as if he'd got 15 at the end, I would have I would have lost. It was an eight-point game. Yeah. There you go. But, but, um, but that's not to say that he would have been able to do that had he gone first, because um, the accursed... He can't, take, he can't take away my objectives with a rhino when I have a cursed on them, right? Because... He could, so if it was the same end of game pieces, then I think he would have still struggled to score more than 10. But yeah, I think that, I don't know, I would have, I had a plan. You basically just, however you deployed, you just move that up however far the first unit advances. You know, you roll the advance roll on that Nurgle unit, and if they get like a four, then you're like, great, I've got the same defensive deployment, but 10 inches further forward. Now it's your go, world ears. You know, I'm coming for you. You're in my threat range now. I've got Malay too, you know. So... It's hard to know, but I did. I did enjoy Nas having one less turn to do damage. So that is undefeated. That is undefeated. Beating yeah, the whole field, showing us yeah. just how OP those Forge Fiends are. <laughs> That's right. Congratulations. I, also, no, I did want to back up what uh, Dom said. I did also kill all of Nas's uh, six. His six man exalted eight bound. Oh, My no. Nurgle Forge Fiend activated killed i think did two two wounds to one and i was like oh my god i've lost the game and then my undivided activated with the four rerolls and killed all all six <laughs> yeah totally balanced unit yeah yeah, yeah that's what, that's what we're seeing there boys well congratulations on your big win is that is that i don't know will is that a big first uktc big tournament win absolutely yes i'm very very proud um it's my first super major win um yeah, I've come second at RTTs for loads for, for a long time now. And so I've only won one RTT, I've won one GT, and now I've won a Super Major. Big jump. <laughs> <Pretty happy. laughs> well done, Will, mate. Well done. Well done. Thank you. Good job, man. So where, after that amazing finish, does that leave you? A, a CSM, are you done with them now? Are the Accursed finished? Or are they your beloved and you're actually going to sink a load of money into it and see if they actually can own the army? Well, where does it leave you? Yeah, I'm not going to buy the army, I don't think. Um, definitely not before these January changes come in. I think that might be uh, throwing, throwing good money after bad. Um, so, I don't know. And I, I have a suspicion that there's still going to be a way to play them. If they do get these, if they get points nerfs, then I'd probably build a list around one Nurgle unit because I think one Nurgle anchor is, is really strong, kind of, kind mm. of very similar to what Dom's running. But um, definitely no Abaddon and no Gunline. I just have more things to... to and, we, and we know that Dom is going to continue charge. to stick it to the man that is GW by playing the bad guys and uh, <laughs> testing that out. No other factions caught your eye, Dom? Yeah, World Eaters, actually. I've, um, well, I've got World That's Eaters bad guys as well. That's literally yeah. the biggest bad guy short of uh, Death Guard. I have been thinking about the um, more for teams, um, just so there's another another 
uh, army I can play with at teams. Because I, I play Drakari, I play Demons, I play CSM. I've got half a World Eaters army. I'm, I think I need a bit of a bit of love in the Imperium. So I've gone for uh, Death Corps of Krieg. So, sort of, um, what are they called? The the guys who who have like the sand, who like fight in the sand. What are they called? Talon Desert Raiders. Yeah, that's the one. There you go. Uh, so Talon Desert Raiders sort of theme, but I've got the um, I'm basically making a guard list just so um, if if needed for gobos when we go to the like the team tournaments if they need another guard player i can just jump in and go right here's the indirect list off we go and, and chris i think we've already alluded to the fact that you're not becoming a gk main going forward no i really enjoyed it so you know it's consideration um but no i'm literally going straight on their cons now the codex has come out and i'm all over it so i will be there not in gun but, um no surprises i don't think Well, what do you think about the new... And I know we're basically in the next week or two, we're going to come up with another episode that looks at the new Necron and Admet books and just gives us an idea of how we think they're going to shake up the the teams and the singles matters a little bit. Uh, but what do you guys think as first impressions? The books are out now, probably had a little look at them. Do you think there's anything there? Is there anything that makes you go, oh, that'll be interesting for my army? Or be something I'll have to think about countering? Necrons have a couple of really good builds. Admet have one good build. If you have about... 1500 quid spare um which is the dragoon spam but yeah i think necrons are really going to shake things up i think you'll see a lot of them or from my perspective hopefully not a lot how many dragoons uh, is dragoon spam because i do own 10 oh like or like every single one you can take you mean 18 i don't need to borrow eight more it's 18 no it's more because it's the it's 27 because uh... you get the gisele ones as well as like a separate data sheet oh, right I about them. I yeah okay yeah so you get 27 because they're just really cheap for their wounds and toughness, effectively, that's it. So you just spam that and run at people. You go, can you kill me? But yeah, I think that's. I think Start building. I'd met walkers at a bit of sprue. It's happening now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, very, very, very excited for Necron. So hopefully we'll be able to go over my list before Nottingham. We might, might do a podcast on that. See what we're taking there. Ooh, well, yeah, indeed. Well, I, I'm. I do have a lot of Admech, but I'm probably going to stick with my Marines for the moment and just get them out and keep testing. The interesting spot where they are at the moment. I think D mecking CSM is a big problem. There was a brief point where Exalted Eight Bound could get in a Rhino, but thankfully that got sorted. Less of that said, the better I think. Nas did say that he he only got in a Rhino one time this tournament, so fair play. Yeah, I think he did, he might have played the indirect list and possibly put them in, but we'll uh, we'll leave that, <laughs> that terrible accusation for another day. <laughs> Next time we get Nas on. <laughs> Well, Judge, thank you very much for coming and running us through your last GT experience. It's really useful. Congratulations to um, all three of you for a good run. But Will, first big UKTC major. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Um, and we will be back in the next couple of weeks, like I said, with another episode talking about some wider the Admex and Necron Codexes. So at the end of another successful episode, the only thing left to say is if you guys could uh, hit the like button and even hit the subscribe button for us, that would really help us to grow YouTube. Um, you can find out more about Team England through our Facebook link below and our Discord. Feel free to join and get involved there. Uh, if you do want to even support Team even further than that, you can find us over on Patreon as well. Uh, and this podcast is available via Spotify and all good podcasting services. Until next time.